0: welcome to the empowered essence podcast where we liberate you and empower you to let your soul lead the way in life and business i am your host laura lawrence sharing my thoughts and intimate conversations with featured guests on human design energetics and spirituality to provide you with the tools you need to tap into your most authentic self. I am here to empower you to walk away feeling ready to live your most expansive and purposeful life. Let's dive in. All right. I am so excited for today's conversation on Empowered Essence. I have Lisa Siri here with me today, and our conversation is going to be amazing because we are going to be blending the conversation of money and wealth and women with wealth in addition to human design. So it's going to blend so many different things that I am so personally passionate about. And I know Lisa is too. So Lisa is a wealth mentor. I actually met Lisa and not met in the physical sense, but we met online Uh, about two years ago. So I took her straight up investing course back in 2020. I found her randomly. It's so funny because I found her randomly on Instagram and saw that she was running this course. And it was actually the very first time that she offered it. And for whatever reason, I just like instantly knew I just had this connection and I just jumped in. It was within probably an hour of finding her on Instagram. And I just, I felt this immediate connection with her. I've always been interested in investments and wealth I started investing when I was about 18 years old and yeah so it was just it it was just a really kismet connection for me I was more so silently stalking her probably (laughs) before I finally reached out and started chatting with her so without further ado welcome to the podcast Thank you so much, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. And I had
1: no idea about the story about how you found me. So that is just so funny to hear. I love when it just, you find someone and you just know, right? Like that's such a human design thing, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. So I'd like you to introduce yourself to to the guests uh, of this podcast and kind of share with them what is a wealth mentor and, and how did you get into that? Yeah, so I
1: am Lisa Siri,
0: and I'm a
1: wealth and investing mentor for entrepreneurs and mainly women. So I help women feel confident with money because, really, when it comes to money, a lot of us aren't we don't we aren't taught about it in school. So it can be that that area that seems really challenging or complicated or stressful. Um, and I get into I got into finance right after college, really unexpectedly. Um, I graduated from college shortly after uh, 9/11 when the economy wasn't so great. Thought I was going to get into marketing. I was super excited about that. And then I ended up, you know, working for a large financial company. And I went into that job thinking, "Oh my goodness. I got a D in algebra in high school. I <laughs> did poorly at statistics in college." So I went into it thinking math is not really my jam. But once I got into that job, what I was doing was opening up investment accounts, uh, non-retirement investment accounts, processing transactions, that sort of thing. And I really saw that so many people were making their money work for them. And I found it fascinating. And I really just was so inspired to do the same for myself. So growing up, my parents always Instilled good money management <laughs> skills uh, with the kids. I had an older. I have an older sister and a younger brother, so I did have those role models. And you know, my dad was um, passionate about investing in real estate, like that provided a cash flow, but nothing when it came to the stock market. So the stock market was more something that I explored on my own. Uh, I was actually really good at it, and so I just. I ended up sticking with it because I loved it so much. I loved that it was fast-paced. It was really good for me because I don't really like doing the same thing day in and day out. So every day was different. And then I decided to move across the country from Massachusetts. I moved to California. I continued working and in investing out there. I worked for asset management firms and I worked in trading, which was even more exciting, <laughs> even more fast-paced. Uh, I absolutely loved that. Um, So I worked for both domestic and then global asset managers. So where we had clients uh, outside of the US as well. So I really got a strong foundation for investing there in the investment industry. And then I slowly worked my way up the corporate ladder. 2008 hit (laughs) with the Great Recession. I realized there were lots of things with my own money management that needed improvement. So it really highlighted what I was doing wrong. I'd really just started investing more aggressively prior to that. So that was a big wake-up call for me. And so I kind of found like my own way of managing my money. Um, we'll tie this back to human design later um, because I've never been a budgeter. It never really worked for me. I had this really big increase in income. As I've been progressing in my career, in the matter of three years, I was making about thirty-six thousand dollars per year. Then I was making over a hundred thousand by my mid to late twenties. So there, I just had this overflow of money, and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I was investing some, but I really wasn't saving, and I was kind of all over the place. I also was spending a lot of money living in LA. So. A bit about my personal and uh, professional journey. Um, I ended up investing very well for myself uh, during that financial crisis. I had the wise words of Warren Buffett in the back of my head. So while it was a terrifying time in the financial markets, and I made some decisions with my investments that I regretted with panic selling and things like that, when it was scary, and even though I was in, I had a front row seat to the panic, um, liquidating you know millions of dollars every day from clients' accounts and things like that, I really told myself to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's something that Warren Buffett says. And what that means is to recognize the opportunities in buying good companies and good investments at low prices. Uh, because everyone wants to be buying when things are going well, right? But when it's scary... No one does. So that's something that that I started doing in 2009 and beyond. Uh, and then in the next six years, I started with about twenty five thousand dollars. then I had invested just over two hundred twenty thousand dollars by the end of that six year period. and then I took a year and a half off from working, which was a lot of fun. I became a certified health coach, pursued my passion for wellness uh, and took time off to travel. Eventually, I missed the fast pace of the financial markets a lot. Uh, And then I I ended up working for a financial technology company. So I was hired because they were building their wealth management tools and their trading platform for their clients and for the largest financial institutions in the world. So because I had a deep knowledge of trading and financial markets and all that, I was hired for that position. And then after about five years, There was tremendous growth at that company. It was amazing. I continued to accelerate my career. I became a VP at that company. I had a team of eight people under me. And um, we were just growing so fast. We were working with the largest financial institutions in the world. My team alone was supporting over $200 billion worth of assets. And it was just extremely stressful. And it began impacting my health. And so from that perspective... I really learned like how valuable health is and also financial wellness. So my life kind of came full circle because I left that job unexpectedly um, because I thought I was going to break at any point. And so I resigned from that. I just also finished nutrition school and I thought that I was going to go into nutrition. And I thought, you know, studying the effects of stress on the body, how can I marry my love and expertise for finance with wellness. So I really have a holistic approach to wellness and supporting women on their financial journey. And that's really how I get to where I am today. And now I now I support women and I've been in my business for about two and a half years.
0: Uh, I that that is such an incredible story. And, you know, you made a comment uh, at one point about how that ties back to your human design and, and your story is like this, there's a very rich experience. And now you're teaching and leading women based on that experience. Which is, so if I haven't already said it, you're a 3-5 emotional mani-gen, which is that 3-5 energy. It's like that I go through that experience, I learn, and then I teach it, then I share it. And, and the transformation that you personally went through is the exact transformation that you provide your clients, which I think is is such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, I love being that experimenter. I've always had that in me, where I have. I'm so curious. I'm just a curious person by nature that I have to try things. And so I don't. I don't have a strong attachment to money. So if I try something and I lose ten thousand dollars, I've done that. Um, I'm like, okay, it'll come back to me. And so I use that to teach people because I've made a lot of mistakes. I want them to avoid that. But also it's just, I do let myself have fun with aspects of my money because that's just so much of who I am as a manifesting generator. I just can't do like the straight and narrow, like putting myself in a box.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important lesson for any third line. I'm a one-three profile, so I I feel that experience that experimenting so deeply, and for a lot of, for a long time, I looked at my experiences if they didn't go as I planned as failures. But when we can take that and extract the lessons and for you to be able to share that, to be able to teach other people how not to do it or how to do it differently, then it, it that there's so much magic in that,
1: yes, for sure. And that's such an important point because for so long, whenever I would make a mistake, right? It's not really, I don't really think there are mistakes with investing because I've made a lot and I'm still ahead. I still ended up ahead. So, I really encourage women to make mistakes because that's how you get better. But yeah, the experimenting and then sharing it with with people and then just allowing yourself to to just flow with things, not putting so much pressure on yourself has been huge. And that's been a huge, just like full circle moment for me. Of looking at it like, oh my gosh, I failed with this investment. To like, no, I it's just a learning experience. And then I can just adjust moving forward.
0: I yeah, that I totally, totally resonate with that. I also appreciated how you shared your childhood uh with everyone because I think a lot of people. Whether they tell themselves a story, it's like if they weren't a wealthy family or if they weren't taught investing as a child, then they're not meant to do that like later on in life. Like there's those stories. And and I think I have a very similar background where my parents taught me like the power of saving and working hard for your money but not necessarily that like how to invest it on my own or like that was something that I personally had to like go out and, and seek myself and kind of look at things a little bit differently. So how how do you think like your childhood like really impacted where you are today? That is such a great question. And I love that you shared just
1: how you had that same model of you know the power of working hard and saving. Um, because that's what was modeled to me. My parents were very frugal people. You know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a special ed director and a counselor for most of his life. So you know, I, I grew up in a middle class family, not a family that had, you know, a ton a ton of wealth, but they managed their money so well that they were able to invest in real estate and things like that. But also it came at the sacrifice of other things. So I, in the back of my mind, I had to get over. A limiting belief that you know money didn't grow on trees, right? That money was a limited resource, and so I had a lot of fear around money. And so when I started exploring this for myself during the financial crisis, I was like, Why do I have these fears? Like it's multi-layered. I got to peel back the layers of this onion so that I can figure out a way to manage my finances in a way where i don't have to strictly budget like my parents did because that just doesn't it doesn't work for me like i'm too much of like a like a like have fun free spirit type of person that it's not going to work for me so i figured out like how to create like a system for my finances where i bucket my money into different you know checking and savings accounts and then everything is automated within that and so it just Flows. And, you know, also my background in financial technology has, has helped make that even better because I'm really passionate about that. So, what was modeled to me were really great foundational things that I could build upon, but I also had to find my way within that through experimentation. So,
0: I, I love that too because you know, every Sunday in my parents' house was budgeting day, like sitting down and going through how much did we spend this week? Like, and that, that just made me cringe all of the time. So I love your, um, the way that you look at things, it's like bucketing money versus looking at every single line item, every single thing that you expense. Um, can you share a little bit more about that bucketing system for anyone who's interested? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so basically, with your income, think of it this way, that you want to have buckets for your income, where you're putting money towards your financial goals, always doing that first. Because what a lot of people do is really, they'll, they'll say, Oh, I'll invest, like what's left after spending, but you have to reverse that, and put that first. So Whatever your financial goals are, whether you have you wanna save more money, you wanna invest more money, maybe you have credit card debt that you wanna accelerate paying off, you put that first. So that's your first financial bucket. And so your income that can go into one account and then you can automate, you know, if it's got a certain amount of money, it's gonna to go to investments. You can automate that to go to that account, high yield savings account, where you're getting a bit more interest than a traditional bank account. So flow out of that account. And then two checking accounts, I would say, sometimes I have more checking accounts than that, but for other people just having one for like savings that your financial goals can flow out of and then two checking accounts, one for your reoccurring bills. So you're gonna calculate like, what are your reoccurring bills every month? You have a mortgage or rent to pay, you have you know your utility bills, phone, um, phone bills, internet, all of those things. So know what that number is, put that in a bills account, all of your money and all of your bills are just automatically paid from that. You don't really think about it. And then the other account is just like you're flexible spending, you are fun money. And so when you have that, you kind of just give yourself an allowance, right? You're like, this is what I have to spend every month. The thing is, if you like to use credit cards to get rewards, and things like that. What I have found helpful is to then pay my credit cards on a weekly basis from that account. So I am paying that off kind of as I go, because you don't want to get yourself into trouble there. But it's just more of a system that flows, uh, rather than feeling like you have to always calculate all of your expenses and then categorize them. I mean, it's important to, at first, you have to know where your starting point is, right? So you're going to have a spreadsheet and look at your past 30 days of spending and see like what you're spending every month to get an idea of how much you can allocate towards for financial goals, where you may need to tweak some things and all of that. But then that's more of like, once you get in the habit, you know, you can check in on that monthly to start until you're creating the habits. But then it's not something that you have to do like on a very regular basis. It's just more that if you have a life change, where your expenses are changing. That's when you have like to check in again, but you do want to revisit your financial goals on a regular basis because those do change.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, uh, I also liked that you said to, to put the money in your investment accounts first. So when I was, when I was in high school, when I graduated grade 12, my parents, so all my friends were going on trips and their parents got them graduation gifts that were like really nice. And my parents bought me the book, The Wealthy Barber. That was was my grade 12 graduation gift. I got The Wealthy Barber. And what's funny is he actually is a local man to to our, um, to where I am, but, um, and I actually know his kids, which is really, really funny, but that was the book that I got for my grade uh, 12 graduation. And the premise of the book is to pay yourself first. And it's really all about like putting that money aside before you, before you buy the extravagant things or you pay your bills or anything like that, put that money aside. That's going to pay yourself in the future. So whether that's your retirement fund, your um, savings accounts, whatever that is. And, and so that's something that's always been ingrained in me because of what my... And you know what? It's funny. I, I laugh about it now, but I am so grateful for that book because it did start me off on the right foot as I, as I went off and I started my career. So... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that, you may not have liked the gift at the time, but it probably changed your life in ways that like, they're probably only apparent. like connecting the dots backwards where your friends may not have had that experience. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's- is so funny. And I think like, there's so much information on finances now that's so readily available on Instagram and YouTube and all of these things, which is amazing. When I was learning investing myself, yes, it was like my career and even money management, but like I had to go to Barnes and Noble and like pick up David Bach books or Susie Orman, because that's really all that was around at that time. So I love that we just, you know, education is so readily available out there now. Yeah.
0: So what, what are your, what are your favorite go-to, whether it's websites or resources aside from your services, which I highly recommend. Um, what, what's, what's somewhere that people can, if they're just starting, like, how can they, how can they learn about investing?
1: Yeah. I always say that, you know, Investopedia is such a simple, like, obviously it's a site that's, it has all of the information. So if you just go to Investopedia or Nerd Wallet. Nerdwallet is going to give you a lot of resources and various calculators. So you know like how much money, like if you're on track to retire, things like that. So some of those simple financial calculators are are really great. And I mean Yahoo Finance, I'm using all the time because just stock market. I'm very passionate about that. I'm looking at what's going on in financial markets daily. So yeah, I would say if you're just starting out, NerdWallet and Investopedia, really great places to start. And then when it comes to books, I mean, The Intelligent Investor is a great book. It's a very thick book. I'm a huge fan of Warren Buffett's uh, just value investing approach. And then um trying to think of some other books because I really think that the financial landscape is changing a lot. So a lot of that stuff is becoming a bit less relevant and we have to evolve with it. Um, and that's where, you know, I'm I'm directing some of my investing. It will be about 50% into cryptocurrency going forward because I see a huge opportunity there. But also, you know, I like uh, investors like Ray Dalio. Uh, he runs uh, Bridgewater Associates, which is a leading hedge fund manager. I think they're actually the largest... So he has a very, he has very interesting investing principles. And so, yeah, those are just some resources to, to get you started.
0: Yeah. My, my one line. So uh, being a one, three profile, like I, I, I love reading up on things. I love, I love checking out the books, but you're so right that the finance landscape right now is changing at such a rapid pace. Like I, I I love following your page because you're talking about the newest and latest types of investing. So crypto, NFTs, like all of that kind of stuff. So what's like from your perspective, like what are kind of some of those emerging trends that are that are coming out?
1: Yeah. So I think if we if we look at how payments are processed, right, we've been in just this evolution of digital payments for a while with. You know, QR codes and just how you pay by tapping your card and, and all of that. And where our future is going is really, I don't want to go too deep into this, but into blockchain technology, which basically takes the internet and payment systems and all of that and moves it onto the blockchain. And cryptocurrency is built off of the blockchain. So if you think about the way financial transactions are processed, like there's a financial institution who's the middleman, right? to exchange, be the, the means of exchange. So, but if you're trying to transact with someone on the other side of the world, it's not so easy, right? You have to send a bank wire, you have to pay fee. Uh, It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a headache. Uh, It's a bit of a multi-step process, but with cryptocurrency, what's great that if you have a cryptocurrency wallet that you can send a cryptocurrency to someone on the other side of the world in like a couple clicks. And it takes way less time. And really, just our process of just our transaction process is evolving. And so that's where that's where we're going. Cryptocurrency is the future. Um, and a lot of people um, look at cryptocurrency like, oh, it's such high risk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's because it's in its infancy and that's why it's higher risk. And I would never encourage someone to put all of their disposable income into cryptocurrency, right? You want to know your risk tolerance in yourself as an investor first, you have to move like in alignment with your risk tolerance. I'm a very hands-on, like high risk investor. So I love exploring the digital asset landscape cryptocurrency. And then with NFTs, NFTs are just really a lot of fun. And it's, uh, those are non-fungible tokens. So really it's, it's something that is unique, whether it be like a piece of artwork or um, something tied to music or audio, it's basically one of a kind. And it's also built on the blockchain. What's fascinating about NFTs is it's more its a more of a way of record keeping for transactions. So similar to cryptocurrency where it's also a record keeping system, uh, essentially it's like a ledger um, and it's very easy to follow the uh, transactions behind that. NFTs are very similar, but it's also interesting because like, you could buy in the future an NFT that's a ticket, but it gives you ownership because you could then resell that when you're done using it. So what the blockchain really allows is more ownership by people. So, right now, when it comes to ownership, it's like we have Google who owns all the data or Apple, um, and they're the centralized agencies that have all the data. And so, in the future, with the blockchain, it's really more of a dispersion of data, it gives more ownership to people. And so, when you have something like an NFT, it allows you to use it basically as long as you want it, right? And then you can actually resell it because you are the person that has the ownership rights to that. So it's not just like you buy a ticket and then like you use it and that's the the end of it. You can actually resell it because it has like ongoing value. Uh, I And I know I, that gets a little
0: complicated. So I'm so <laughs> like, fast how can I explain yet?
1: this like simply?
0: I know, I know. I'm just, I'm so fascinated by all of this. Um, And so for anyone who's listening that wants to dive deeper and learn more about NFTs and wants to learn more about crypto, Lisa has two different courses that, that teach on that. So if that is something that you are so enthralled in, like she is the person to go to to learn more about it. But if you are like, okay, we I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I fully understand that. That's okay too. That is okay too. I I, I want to point that out. But the beauty of what you do is you really empower women and teach women in a very simplified way how to own their finances. Rather than, and this is this is historical, you know, the man in the family or the man in the relationship typically like looked after the finances, or you had an advisor who looked after your finances. What I love about what you do is you really empower women to learn it for themselves, to learn how it works, why it works, and and really empower them to do their own investing, whether it's through robo-advisors or or those sorts of things. So that that is just amazing. And what's really cool, so I've looked at your human design chart. And so there's always like some indicators in terms of your purpose and your path in life. And, And so a couple of things I wanted to point out just about Lisa is, so she has gate 45 in her, in her chart, which is the gate of the gatherer. And that's one of the money gates that we have in our human design chart. And it's really all about like understanding resources, being a leader and it's in our throat center. So it's all about you teaching you communicating, you sharing your knowledge and wisdom around money. So I think that that is so, so aligned. And then your conscious sun gate is in gate three and gate three is really all about this, been in the system, I've listened to the rules, but I just feel like I need to break away from that and I need to do it differently. And that's really what you're doing in your business, being a wealth mentor. Because typically we think of when, when we talk about like, finances, we talk about financial advisors. You know, you sit down with someone, they tell you, here's all the different options for your investments. They give you recommendations and then, and then you go do that. And then they help, they help build your portfolio. Whereas you're not necessarily giving recommendations. What you're doing is you're empowering women to make that decision for themselves. So I don't know if you just want to touch a little bit on the difference between you being a wealth mentor versus uh, an advisor.
1: Yes oh, that's so fun. I didn't know any of that information about my human design. So that makes so much sense. Um, and yes, I don't like being in a box whatsoever. So uh, that's, that's funny with that that gate, uh, that second one that you mentioned. So what's different about what I do is that I am, the purpose of what I do is for education so that you can then lead yourself into into investments, but I make it as simple as possible. I am a very active, hands-on investor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's for everyone. I've obviously been doing this for a long time, so there are ways that you can invest, in it's it's simple. Whether, uh, like Laura said, you utilize a robo advisor or invest in something like an index fund, where you're literally investing into one investment, and then you get to own like the top 500 companies in the U.S. So it makes it really, really simple. So I'm not a financial advisor where I give you recommendations and I don't have any bias towards what you invest in. Often financial advisors, what they do is they either have a flat rate model. So you pay them a flat fee, like on a yearly basis or whatever it is, or they offer investments that you can invest in, but they're also driven by the commission that's attached to those investments. So Whether you are utilizing a financial advisor, you really want to understand if someone is uh, required to be here in the US, a fiduciary, which is someone that's required to act in your best interest. Because with a financial advisor, you can often end up paying a lot of money in fees. So, and really, they're taking that's taking profit out of your pocket. And investing has become so simple. Like much easier than when I started, that you can absolutely do it for yourself. And so, really, what I teach is that automation, like how to simply do that for yourself. So, even if you think you're paying 1% per year in fees towards a financial advisor, you know, if you have $100,000 US dollars with them, that can be over the course of 30 years, like you could be paying over $300,000 in fees. So you really want to know how to keep your fees down. And so um, that's just education, right? And how to really understand how money works because you know a lot of people weren't educated about that. When it comes to the investing side and fees, you want to be aware of that because while 1% that you're paying in fees for an advisor doesn't seem like a lot, it like massively
0: takes away from your profits over the course of time. Because a lot of the time this is like long-term investing. Like what, what you teach and what you share is like investing in your retirement savings and and really building that that longer term. Um, and and that's really what we need to we need to focus on. That's where like wealth is really built. It's not in these like quick transactions. Although you can, you know, I'm sure, make quite a bit of money in, in quick transactions, but to like really build that long-term sustainable wealth is is that that long-term view.
1: Yes, you hit the nail on the head there. With <laughs> I think a lot of people treat investing more like trading where they're trying to treat it as a lottery ticket in order to make a quick profit because we're so attracted to instant gratification these days because, you know, our te- our attention spans are shorter. But when it comes to really building wealth, like you said, you have to be committed to being investing for a longer period of time because like we're experiencing right now the stock market all financial markets move in in cycles so you know you never know if it's going to be moving up or down i mean we have indicators which you know can guide us as to what it's going to do and we can look to history for that information but you have to be when you're invested for a long period of time you know that you're going to go through highs and lows of financial cycles and you just have to know that over the long period of time you know we have like four or five up years in the stock market compared to the amount of down years you know like it could go be going up for like your investments could be growing like 137% and then you have one year where it comes back down and pulls back like 25% and then you keep going up again so that's why it's important to have that that long-term vision rather than getting caught up in short-term price movement, investing into meme stocks and things that your friends are doing, because a lot of people end up losing money that way because they just have that short-term vision. And I, when I first started, because I had a trading background, I got caught up in that as well. And it took me a while to learn that, okay, I
0: need to I need to wait. I need to be patient and, and give things time yeah i think that's important especially now because now we are in a bit of that that down market and you know on so- social media the the tv the you know any media outlet right now there there is some sort of fear that's being instilled in people about financial markets but i love how you talk about like this is actually a really exciting time. Um, this is the time to be investing because we're we're buying in that low market and and you even shared like your experience with 2008 with how that you know starting with 25 thousand dollars and six years later having 220 like th- these types of markets are what breeds the you know those multiple six figures, million dollars in X number of years yeah.
1: Yeah, if you watch what smart money does, like financial institutions and things like that, they buy at low prices. So even though your friends are panicking and selling at low prices, you want to be doing the opposite of that. So yeah, you, it's it's really a chance. It's like a Black Friday sale, right, where good companies are on sale during uh, during down markets, and it's just it's just knowing that the market's gonna turn around again, and it's just a matter of being patient and. Investing
0: consistently over time. Yeah, another thing for people to learn. So if 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 you're not investing your money right now, if if you just have your bank account, your savings account, all of that, it's never too late to learn how to invest and and to do that in a smart way. Um, I I've always truly believed in that. Obviously, like we talk about, like the longer term is is best, but it doesn't mean that that you're late to the game by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No, absolutely not. And I feel like a lot of women feel that way, especially I've had clients that feel that way. Like, oh, I'm I'm 35, I'm late to doing this. And I'm like, no, like it's so much easier than you think. And yes, you can start off younger and then you'll, you'll just have to invest less for it to grow to that, you know, like sizable best egg that you want later in life. But you can also just start where you are with what you have. And when I started, you know, you couldn't, if I didn't have, say I wanted to buy a share of Tesla or something, if I didn't have the $900 to buy one share of Tesla, I couldn't buy that. But now you can buy like a portion of a stock. So even if you don't have that amount of money, you could say you have $100. Um, You always want to be diversified. I'm simply using Tesla as an example. But even if you had $100, you know, you could invest that into, you know, a stock or, you know, an index fund, an ETF. It's just that the amount that you have. So you can start small and build upon that. I feel like that's a a barrier that a lot of people think they need to have a lot of money to start investing. And that's
0: simply not the case. Yeah. I think you you were even talking about like crypto, like Bitcoin's thousands and thousands of dollars for like one Bitcoin, but like you need $25 to start or like, like it it can be like as, as small or simple as that. Yeah. It's just that like, just start, like just, just getting into it is, is the hardest thing. It's like exercising, right? Like, it's like you, you make it mean something more than what it actually is until, until you start getting into it. Yes. And it's just,
1: I mean, it's always been investing has always been like such a man's topic, right. That I feel women are are overwhelmed by it and intimidated by it. And really just know that it's like 20% actual knowledge and 80% belief in yourself and, and just start. Um, You know, if you end up making a mistake, like investing into a high risk mean stock, you can always pivot and then make sure that you're investing and diversifying. But um, it's really important or else our savings accounts aren't going to get us to what the amount of money that we need in the future. You're actually losing money in a savings account every single year. So you want to be investing because that's yeah. the only
0: real way to grow your wealth. That's, and, and that's the energy of money. Like money flows in, money flows out. And it's like when you can have that. The other one thing we were talking about before we jumped on was we were talking about both of us being emotional authorities. And so, being an emotional authority, you're riding the waves. So, you know, when the stocks crash or whatever, it's like having this, like, staying power, really this like emotional intelligence. Do you want to talk about that and and maybe some, some tips in terms of managing some of that emotional intelligence around investing? Yes. This is actually my favorite topic with investing because it's more important than
1: anything else. So... When it comes to emotional intelligence, it's just having awareness, right? Around your emotions. And obviously investing is very emotional and the higher risk investment that you're investing in, you're going to feel like this emotional tug of war, like when the price goes up or down and you're like, oh my goodness. And the way that you really offset that especially for an emotional, uh, manifesting generator. Uh, for me, it's been to make sure that my financial foundation is set. Right. And I'm investing according to my risk tolerance. So I allow myself to have a little bit of money that I can play with and have fun with. But when it comes to, I've made all of the, the mistakes at this point, I don't know that I can make many more when it comes to emotional investing. So It's really just having awareness that your emotions are going to come into play. And so how can you set up a system for yourself that you're not going to be swayed by that? So I I know that like we could really go down a rabbit hole with this, but I feel like at a very high level, you just have to be aware that investing is emotional. I don't make financial decisions from a place of... I can't say always cuz sometimes I'll invest in something and it's you know I have excitement about it but it's also like I have like this sacral hit at the same time so I may like ride the emotional wave for a day. I never just like make an impulsive decision that day. But for me I try and mostly be in a place of emotional neutrality when it comes to money. And so with any kind of money. So if uh, you know, whether it comes to like spending or saving or investing, it's like, whoo, yes, that's great. But also like, okay, I'm just money's the tool. It just, I, I just think of it as a tool. I think of investing as a game. So yeah, that's really just just my approach to it. But yeah, yeah. you're gonna learn the hard lessons That's <laughs> an emotional authority. I think I feel like you got to get a little bit out out of your system in the beginning and then you'll learn from that
0: yeah spoken so true to an emotional <laughs> authority and a third line it's like it's going through that experience in order to in order to learn from it so you talked about um setting your financial foundation and and setting your like risk tolerance so what are some of those like we've been talking about you know investing in stocks we've been talking about you know crypto and nft's and all of that like that would be like our higher risk types of investments. But what are some of those like lower risk things that you can start investing in that, that help build that foundation?
1: Yeah. So when I say foundation, I'm more saying like having money in in savings, because normally like when you panic in a market like this, when the prices move down, it's generally because you don't have enough money saved and you're like, oh, I need a backup plan. Um, And I know that that was true for me um, during the great recession. So number one is having, you know, three to six months, sometimes up to a year of emergency savings like that, your fixed recurring expenses, you know, times that however many months that you're comfortable, that's the amount you want in a a savings bucket. So that's the the main foundation. And then from there, when it comes to lower risk, it's more like that uh, S&P 500 ETF that I talked about. That's kind of like medium risk, you have that built-in diversification right, where you're investing in the 500 largest companies in the US. So the chances are, if some companies aren't doing well out of the 500, there are going to be others that are. So it balances your risk through diversification. When it comes to low risk, I'm not really interested in bonds whatsoever, but lower risk is is bonds. And so you can figure out your allocation. Of if you wanted to offset like an S&P 500 index
0: fund, you can also have
1: like a bond index fund that is lower risk.
0: No, that's great. That's great to provide that context that it's really all about like this mix. It's not like yes. too far one way or too far another way. It's, it's about creating that balance. Yeah. Yes, it is. Awesome. Um, so something that I ask all of my clients or all of my guests on this podcast is what is your quantum vision? What is like this higher vision that you have for the work that you do in this world?
1: My quantum vision is putting more money in the hands of one because I'm, I'm just, you can already feel that that's out there and that's happening now. And it feels like there's this, we're in this like transition with wealth, with more women, like starting businesses, more women, like exploding their wealth and more money in the hands of women is just so powerful. When I look at, like, I think that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about NFTs too, because I really see women emerging in that space. And it's such like a supportive and community oriented environment. And it's like looking at startups essentially. So you know, More money in the hands of women is my quantum vision because I really feel like the world would be so much different um, because women and women too are actually better investors than men. So side note, ladies, uh, because we more can really, like men really make a lot of impulsive decisions. Women tend to be just more balanced in how we approach things, More, more money in the hands of women. And that's why I do what I do and why I'm so, so passionate about it.
0: Yeah, I love that because I I totally align with that, totally resonate with that, because I believe that we do really great things with that money. You know, we reinvest it, we empower other women with it. Like, it is just, it's it's really all about building this like circulation, and we can also. I and one of my mentors has also said that like when women become wealthy, we free men as well because. Mm it's so ingrained in men to be the breadwinner of the family. And it's like all of this pressure, all of this unnecessary, you know, heaviness on their hearts about they have to be the breadwinner. But then when a woman can come in and and, and provide for her family and support the family, like both men and women can do, follow their passions, follow their desires. It's not about like being the breadwinner or not. It's really all about like building this incredible life for you, for your partner, for your family. It's like, I just, I think it's incredible.
1: Yes. I, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And, and just just Women just having independence with money is so, it's just so liberating. Um, It's so liberating and it just leads to so many opportunities. And I've seen clients just that are doing wonderful things with, with their money and, you know, building wells in other countries and and things like that. So it's just, and then it has that ripple effect into the world and it's just, it's so, so beautiful.
0: Uh, So how can people find you? Where can they find you on social media? How can they work with you?
1: Yeah, so I'm on social media at Lisa Siri Finance. I mainly hang out on Instagram. And so I'm always offering, you know, master classes on a monthly basis. You are more than welcome to hop into that. You can just DM me on Instagram, but I'm always just educating on a variety of topics. And then, you know, it's my manifesting generator energy. I love to like put my creativity into programs. So I'm always coming out with, with various programs and things like that. So you can just follow where your interests lead. And if you have a question, you know, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram.
0: I also want to point out, so there will be a lot of Canadian listeners to this podcast. And although Lisa is from the States, there is just so much crossover. There's so much to know. Like it, it's it's the same foundation. It's the same knowledge. You know, when they talk about the 401k, it's the same as our RSPs. Those sorts of things like are all very um, crossover. very yeah. Well, so yeah. Yeah. Aside from taxes, because you guys don't have short-term
1: gains in Canada, uh, most of the things are the same aside from just, yeah, it's some naming conven- conventions that I've had a lot of Canadian clients. So am <laughs> very familiar yeah. with uh, Canadian markets and stuff as well. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of crossover. Um, yeah, it's really easy for you to to tune in and, and
0: find value. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast and for the work that you do. I think it is so invaluable and, and the world really needs it. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had such a fun time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Empowered Essence. If you loved this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. And until next time, keep shining your light.